Hey, you talk fam. I can't say it enough. To our avid listeners out there, thank you so much. New listeners, welcome to the fam. There are three ways you can continue to support this podcast. One is by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. Podcasts experience the biggest growth by word of mouth. If you share on social media, tag at utalk2020 so I can repost and show you some love. Number two, you can support us financially by throwing us a few coins on anchor.fm slash utalk2020. There's a link in the show notes. A sister works hard for the love of podcasting, but a sister gotta eat too. Okay? All right. The third way you can support us is by giving us a great review on whatever platform you listen. I appreciate it all, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So when... Jesus joined our family. He had lived with us for two years on a medical visa. And I didn't realize until later how traumatic those two years actually were. He was with us and we were his guardians on paper. And yet we had to reapply every few months for permission for him to stay in the United States and continue to receive his life-changing care from Shriners Hospital. And that was incredibly stressful. I didn't realize that I had felt a feeling for a very long time that my child would be taken away from me. At that point, we had all intent to adopt Jesus. We were just waiting for everything to align. And it felt this tension that he was our son, but maybe not. And that was, it just was stressful. It was awful not knowing, not knowing, feeling like your future was for a child that you loved and cared about so much was entirely out of your hands. Stories are what make us unique, but they're also what connect us as human beings. It's time to stop talking and start listening. This is You Talk, I'll Listen with Shannon Chapman. My guest this week is Kate. With five kids, I can imagine that every day is a unique experience for Kate and her husband, Joe. But the part of their story that I want to focus on in this conversation is their experience raising two children that they have adopted who have special needs and the things that they have learned as their story has progressed. Kate, tell me a little bit about your family. Hi, I'm Kate. So like you said, my husband Joe and I have five children, ages 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Our oldest son, Joey, so he's a 12-year-old. He's in middle school right now. He's just a great kid. He has a good sense of humor, really considerate, um, fun to have as the oldest child. My son Guy is 11. He's our middle kid, free-flowing, we call him. Then um, my son Jesus is 10 years old. He's happy, outgoing, caring. And our only daughter, Elena, is nine years old. She's musical, artsy, 
typical nine-year-old girl. And then our son, Yanni, is age eight, and he has a great sense of humor. He's always making us laugh. So out of that bunch, out of those five, three of my children are biological, Joe, Guy, and Elena, and two are adopted. So Jesus and Yanni both joined our family in different years, but Jesus when he was six years old in 2016, and then Yanni joined our family when he was seven years old last year. So besides just being bright lights and energetic little boys, um, they also have disabilities and they have similar disabilities. Jesus has moderate to severe intellectual disabilities, as well as verbal apraxia, which affects his communication, um, as well as epilepsy and cerebral palsy, among other diagnoses. And then Yanni is affected by mainly by fetal alcohol syndrome, as well as intellectual disability or ID. Um, we knew about some of these, and then some are new that kind of came up after they joined our family. And some are so new that we're still working through what they mean. Like any parent, I would always want to describe my kids in all their abilities and what they're great at and fabulous at. But just for context, some of their disabilities that we live with and that are a part of our everyday is the intellectual disability, which means that Jesus, although he's 10 years old, he or over 10 now, that he really functions at about a three-year-old's level as far as processing, and in some ways even younger, at two or 18 months. And so he does need help with everything. And help making decisions and planning and dressing and bathing. And although he's constantly growing, it's in very small increments is how that intellectual disability comes. As well as epilepsy, he will have seizures or grand mal seizures or absence seizures. And then that affects our everyday too. Yanni, although he has an intellectual disability as well, really the fetal alcohol syndrome component is probably the biggest player in our everyday as that affects a lot of behavioral and decision-making, impulse control, and things like that. Why did you decide to adopt? And how did you connect with your children? So I would have to say that adoption kind of found us rather than the other way around. Each time or each situation, we were kind of made aware of the child first before we had actually made the decision to pursue adoption. Although we had always been open to growing our family in that way, then once we were aware of the situation in the child and then knew them or knew about them, we went ahead and completed the international adoption process. So Joe and I have always loved children. We've always worked with kids in a variety of ways. And we love parenting kids. And so it, it was a natural consideration for us to grow our family through the process of adoption. Did you always have in mind that you would adopt children who had disabilities? No, not at all. Although Joe and I had experience working with kids, neither one of us had any sort of specific experience with um, children with disabilities or disabilities in general. So. Really, it was working from the perspective of knowing about a child and then knowing about their needs and saying yes to, to both. What was that process like? Jesus's case is actually fairly complicated. He joined our family in the United States in 2016 on a medical visa before he was formally adopted. 
So he lived in Central America his entire life in an institution and then with us while completing medical care at Shriners Hospital in the Twin Cities for orthopedic care. And then he officially became eligible for adoption, which we pursued. And then he joined our family two years later. And then for Yanni, we actually connected with him through an agency that was advocating for him and other children with disabilities or with extenuating hardships or circumstances. And he was known to have very similar disabilities as Jesus, and that actually helped encourage us to start the adoption journey with him. And that process took about 18 months from start to finish. So his birth country is in Eastern Europe. When Jesus joined our family, he had lived with us for two years on a medical visa. And I didn't realize until later how traumatic those two years actually were. He was with us and we were his guardians on paper. And yet we had to reapply every few months for permission for him to stay in the United States and continue to receive his life-changing care from Shriners Hospital. And that was incredibly stressful. I didn't realize that I had felt a feeling for a very long time that my child would be taken away from me. At that point, we had all intent to adopt Jesus. We were just waiting for everything to align. and. It felt this tension that he was our son, but maybe not. And that was, it just was stressful. It was awful not knowing, not knowing, feeling like your future was for a child that you loved and cared about so much was entirely out of your hands. That was really difficult. And so when he actually became our son, when the papers were actually signed, when we knew that there was no way that a government would ever tear us apart, that was an incredible relief. I felt like I had won the lottery a million times over. I could not believe the luck, the joy, the gift that I had been given to be Jesus's mom. Total ecstatic, just thrilled. And then with Yanni, Yanni was joy as well. A lot more unknowns with our son, Yanni. We just didn't know a lot. And the information that we had been given about him was not very accurate. And we could tell that. And so as we got to know him more for Yanni, we met him. And then there was a time period. And then we completed the adoption. I had some concerns where information wasn't aligning. I felt like I didn't know who to trust. I was concerned about his ability to thrive in a family. And if we were a family that he could thrive in, if it would be fair to him to join our crowded, loud, kind of engaging family, little chaotic family. So for Yanni, I had to really think, are we serving this child well? Are we loving this child well by inviting him to be a part of our family? And when we decided to go ahead and complete that adoption, it was just absolutely the right decision. And even though I felt nervous, I never doubted anything after those papers were signed. And several weeks later, I was at home with him, putting him to bed, and I just a wave of nausea swept over me that I could have missed him, that we came really close to missing him. 
I just can't believe that that could have been our story. And I'm so grateful. I'm so very grateful that he joined our family. Kate, what were each of your boys' lives like before you guys adopted them? So for one of my boys, we know little about his very early beginnings, but he was in a children's home from shortly after birth until about age six. And when we came into his life, he was just starting to decline physically, so was no longer able to walk as well. And that is what helped with his medical visa to come to the United States so he could receive that medical care. And then for my other son, we know more about his early life, but when we met him, he had been in a children's hospital for a few years and Because of his diagnosis, he probably would have stayed institutionalized for the majority of his life. What challenges have you faced since adopting and how have you been able to overcome them? Some of them you may not. Yeah, I think that this is a great question and thanks for asking it. For me, the main challenge that I have faced since adoption is letting go of the preconceived ideas of how our family should look or should function or should work best. I mean, that's in, that's in any family, right? But this idea of dropping expectations in favor of actual reality, which is always better. It's always better to go with the truth that's right in front of you, but it's still work to kind of to drop what you think things should look like. I had to let go of ideas that I considered milestones in development, in attachment, in education, um, milestones in maybe not even milestones, but just even like basic things, what a family vacation should look like, what a bedtime routine should look like. I had to reevaluate our end dreams for my kids and then kind of think, how are we going to get there? And really practice seeing each child and our family for how we are now, I've, I think has been a challenge. And then just communication. I would have to say that communication is probably our biggest hurdle. To learn how each family member communicates and in what language, in what body language, and even with my neurotypical children, what they're trying to communicate through their um, language or through their behavior, what their needs actually are. So learning how to communicate with one another when typical forms of communication aren't available. So my son, Jesus, is 10. But he only has about, he has less than 50 words. And then he also has some of his own words that he uses to communicate with us. And then my son Yanni has even less words, but he does some sign and then he has some made up sign. And um, it's just a combination of communication strategies that the children in my house use. And trying to learn that and interpret that and be open to non-traditional ways of communication has been a challenge for us, for sure. So you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the things that you learned from these challenges? I would say one thing that we, I've learned is just to accept the ebb and flow of relationships, of communication, to be flexible, to know that life is hard and then it gets harder and then it gets easier and that's okay. That nothing is ever going to be fully completed. 
it's all a process and it's okay if you go backwards and then go forwards. Um, That is part of the journey for all of us, especially for children who come from a difficult background. So that's what I have learned. I think also um, how to maintain a big picture uh, or vision of a big picture has been really important. How to keep your eyes on the horizon because the daily ins and outs will really wear you down. You know, the ups and downs of parenting children with high needs or special needs, dealing with doctors and IEPs and kind of just logistical factors can can wear you down. But having a broader vision for what you determine success to be for what you want for your life and for your children's lives. That like big picture vision has really helped me through the challenges and the challenges have really helped me to have better vision for my family. What is the greatest joy that you get from experiencing life with these boys? Yeah. So one is with my son, Jesus. He has really taught me, along with different ways to communicate, he has taught me how to be present. And I know that sounds kind of trite, right? Like my son teaches me how to be present, but he really does. He has an amazing gift to be right where he is all the time. And part of that is from his disability. He doesn't necessarily anticipate in the ways that we do. And he doesn't necessarily have the ability to communicate if he is anticipating. Same with remembering. He doesn't live in the past either. He really, truly lives right then. And it's a gift to me to learn how to be present. So the other day I was sad and I was in the kitchen and I was just feeling very overwhelmed and I was crying just lightly, you know. And Jesus walked into the room and he just put his arm on my, or he put his hand on my arm and he knew I was sad and upset and he didn't say anything to me. He just stood there with me and it was such a gift just that he was with me. And I really do believe that Jesus has a special gift of, of ministering to other people and I think part of that is that he doesn't rush you where you are. He just lets you be there. And it is a huge blessing in my life to have him by my side. I think one of the greatest joys is to have the blessing of a new perspective daily. I love, like any mom, right? I love seeing their their accomplishments. I love when they put on a coat for the first time the right way and seeing their pride. That gives me a lot of joy. When they grow in independence and they're really proud of a skill that they've been working on, that gives me joy. But a deep, deep joy for me comes from seeing the world through their eyes, whether it be Jesus's ability to live in the moment or Yanko's ability to start over. He starts fresh all the time. He is not afraid of starting again and resetting, no matter what kind of behaviors or what kind of issues or anxieties the morning has had, he will reset and invite you to do the same. So I learn how to do that. And that's been a huge blessing and joy in my life. I also think that the gift their presence has brought to our family in terms of understanding is is huge. Um, Joseph, Guy, and Elena 
have a different perspective on life living with siblings that have uh, strong challenges. And those are lessons that I couldn't have taught them had Jesus and Nya not been in our family. Would you encourage other people who are thinking about adopting to adopt a child who has a disability and why? Yes. I would definitely say for people that have already considered adoption and what that means for their family to consider being open to children with disabilities. First of all, I don't think that the paperwork is ever right the first time around. So I think it's important to see beyond papers that you're given and beyond Google searches of certain diagnoses and things like that. For a variety of reasons, we know that children aren't necessarily given a correct diagnosis initially and that that can change several times, especially when a parent starts advocating for their child to kind of find out the real reason certain things are popping up or happening. So I would say if parents are considering adoption, that adopting a child with a disability is a huge opportunity to not only help that child, but also learn more. It's important to do research and to talk with doctors and talk with other individuals that have firsthand experience living with maybe a particular disability or a particular challenge. But if you feel that your family is equipped to deal with logistical things like medical appointments and surgeries or therapies or a host of any other kind of extras that come along, or maybe you're not fully equipped, but you feel like you are open to that, I would strongly encourage you to go ahead and do so. What misconceptions do you think that people have about children who may have severe disabilities or about what it's like to raise them? Um, I think sometimes that people think that it's all about the disability when really it's all about the child. And once you're a parent, you will do anything for your child. You will figure it out. You will become the advocate. You would go to the ends of the earth for your child to make their life as big and as wonderful as possible. So sometimes people would say to me, oh, I couldn't do that in regards to a specific situation. But really, we can. I mean, certain things might be extreme, but in general, there's not just one way to raise a beautiful child. There's not one way to respond to diagnosis. There's not one way to advocate for children. And so I think that we all can play a part. Um, also in regards to misconceptions, sometimes I think there's this idea that maybe children with disabilities are really very, very special because of a certain disability, especially when they're young and kind of as they, as they grow up, it's less so or something like that. And I just, people can forget that maybe a child is a whole child. So as much as Jesus, my son Jesus, would love you to know about his disabilities or his extra needs so that we can assist him and advocate for what he needs, I think he would also want people to know that he's a whole person and like any person and any kid, he gets frustrated and he gets upset and he feels pride and he feels shame and he feels embarrassed. And just although he is the happiest kid in the world, there's also other pieces of him that make him who he is. And so uh, for sure, disability doesn't define a person and it doesn't define a child. And especially for children that don't have a voice 
in the way that we are used to hearing voices. It is important to let people know that these children are whole children and they have many sides of them. You have had to advocate for your children, I'm assuming in their education, and um, you mentioned having additional diagnoses. What has your experience doing that looked like? Well, sometimes I feel like I came in a little late to the game as far as advocating for my children. For a while after they were adopted, I felt like I didn't quite belong in this place because I didn't birth my children. I worried that I was I was missing information about how to best advocate for them. I thought, which now I realize isn't true, that every parent learns this. Every parent is a beginner. We all learn as we learn our children, whether they join our family when they're seven years old or 12 years old or an infant, we are learning our children. But for me, I, it was a real steep learning curve to all of a sudden enter into school IEPs and trying to figure out who do I talk to to get the services for my child? Which doctor do I connect with? I thought this doctor was connecting with that doctor, but no, not that doctor over there. And who is really in charge of their medical file? And things like that was difficult. But I have learned that advocating for your child means to know your child, know the world that they live in and the people that they interact with daily. So pursuing information that they can't necessarily tell you. Bus drivers, who's on their bus, who's in their class. And not being their voice, but representing their voice is really important. And continuing to ask questions. There can never be too many questions. And you get to ask those questions. As a parent, you get to ask those questions. Why are you doing that? Why would you say this of, I'm, for adults that surround your child? And to your child, you can ask questions. But really, for other people that are participating in your child's life, a big part of advocating for them is to, to ask. Ask for more time. Ask for more space. Ask for more assistance. And don't be afraid to question. Question again and speak up. What advice do you have for new parents of children with special needs? Well, for new parents of children with special needs, more of an encouragement than advice, I would just say that I get it and you're not alone. I think it's easy to feel like you're alone especially when the rest of the world is using language that you use too, but you mean something different. For example, if I say I'm fine, I have a thousand different layers of fine and what that means for me and what that means for my family. And if my child is doing well in school, that means something really different than what a lot of parents mean by that. It could just mean that that one of my children may not have had a raging meltdown in school in a couple of days. That could mean that we're doing really well in school. And so it's just a, it feels like you're speaking a different language sometimes. And so what I would tell parents of kids with special needs or with disabilities is that you're not alone (laughs) to keep going, to accept the ebb and flow of the day, the moment, the hour, the year that you're in, that a backward step doesn't mean that you're going backwards, 
It just means that you've backed up and that's okay. And then you'll go for it again. And that's okay too. And there will be people that will get it. There will be other parents out there that understand what you mean when you try to communicate what's going on in your home and find those people, link arms with those people. They're your people and pursue that friendship and partnership. More logistically, one of the best things that I ever did was a um, a couple of months ago, pre-pandemic, I was really having a hard time keeping track of all of the things with all of my kids, but especially my two sons. I just, different medication changes and different milestones they were hitting and different behaviors that I was seeing. And I needed to release all of those details from my brain. And you can only communicate about it so much with your friends or with your husband or with their teachers. And so I actually found a great psychologist, a family psychologist who agreed to meet with me just as a brain dump almost. He would track all of my son's information. And I just, every so often we would schedule an appointment and I would just dump all of these details that build up over time. So I felt someone else was recording them, keeping track of them. So we could say, oh, we already tried this medication with Jesus, or we did that, or remember back then, and now it's different. That ended up being a really valuable thing for me to have. It released a lot of the disk space, drive space in my brain to be able to enjoy my family without feeling like I was just constantly tracking my family. And those details are important. Any mom um, will tell you that little details, little changes are important to keep track of, but you don't have to do it all by yourself. There are people and professionals to help you do that. That sounds amazing. I need that for my two kids. I know, right? It was really, yeah, it was really super helpful. (laughs) Is there something that you look forward to experiencing as parents of your two boys or your family in general? I look forward to so much as they grow up. I think their world is getting bigger every day. I think that has to do with changing my expectations too. It might not look like the same kind of big as I think, but the way that I'm able to celebrate small victories My son, Jesus, can now buckle himself on the bus by himself. And that just little sliver of independence is a joy. And it reminds me that these benchmarks of independence are just important for him. And we get to celebrate. You don't just have to celebrate the big things that are big for the rest of the world. There are really big things that are so small that are important to your family. And that's great to celebrate those things. I'm looking forward to my boys hitting high school. I think that they will make new friends and have new experiences. And I want to be there to witness that. I want to see them grow up. I'm looking forward to them developing their own type of work ethic. I I want them to have a community and I want to witness what that community will look like. I have a lot of hope for their lives. And I think that That hope comes from a very deep belief that every single life is so valuable. And we don't get to say 
what is a success and what is more valuable and what is more important. Every single life is valuable and beautiful. And I just can't wait to watch theirs unfold. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. Man, I'm sure that, like I said before, every day is a new adventure with your family. Yes, a great adventure. But they're blessed to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Stay tuned for the mic drop moment. Sun's out and shades are in. Get your home summer ready with custom window treatments from blinds.com. Get a high-end look without the high-end price on our most popular outdoor shades and transform your backyard into the perfect weekend oasis with light filtering shades that help block UV rays without obstructing your view. Plus, right now, Blinds.com is offering up to 35% off everything, making it a breeze to upgrade any room in your home, indoors or out. With over 25 million blinds sold and 35,000 five-star reviews, there's a reason why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window treatments in the world. Whether you do it yourself or have them handle the install from start to finish, Blinds.com makes ordering custom window treatments online easy with free shipping and a 100% guaranteed perfect fit. Sunshine and barbecues are in the forecast. Upgrade your backyard and window treatments with Blinds.com today and enjoy your new view all summer long. Go to the link in our show notes to shop up to 35% off site-wide. That's the link in our show notes up to 35% off site-wide. Rules and restrictions may apply. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And guess what? It's free. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, it's time for the mic drop. Kate and Joe have five kids that are stair steps in age, and they're still surviving. That alone is mind-blowing for me as I struggle to manage my two. Add to that, two of their children have high needs. A key takeaway from what Kate said has to do with our idea of what a family should look like. We all have different ideas of what our children should be doing or should have accomplished. And when real life doesn't look the way we think it should, it creates anxiety. And we may start to question why and blame ourselves. Kate's family doesn't look like your typical family, but it looks exactly the way it's supposed to. Every family is different. 
every family and every child has different needs. Normal is whatever it looks like in your household. Kate's house is full of love and joy. And even though it may not be typical growth for kids their age, her sons are learning and growing. Like every family, they have their share of challenges, but they continue to get up every day and keep moving forward. Life does not always have to be picture perfect. Most times it isn't. And success looks different for different people. Something all parents need to hear from time to time, myself included, is what Kate said about parenting. Every parent is a beginner. We are all learning as we go. So we have to give ourselves some grace. There's not one way to raise children. And that doesn't mean that your way is wrong. One of those things we learn as we go is how to advocate for our children. Kate defined advocating for your child as knowing your child and the world he or she lives in. It's important to know who they interact with and not be their voice, but represent it. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need and question things. I can relate to Kate's definition because I have to advocate for my daughter on many occasions due to her severe dairy allergy. Weeks after she was born, she had a terrible diaper rash that wouldn't go away, and she would scream through every diaper change. The doctors kept recommending different creams to use, but I knew that there was something else going on. I did some research, asked some questions, and did some experimenting with my diet. Had I not learned to advocate for her, she probably would have continued to be a miserable baby. But as her mother, seeing her agony, I knew I had to figure it out no matter what. And that's what we do as parents. I had to be her representative then, and I have to be her representative every time we go somewhere and eat food that I didn't cook. Kate also reminded us that even though Jesus and Yanni have disabilities that limit what they can do and how they interact with others, they're still children. They still have their own little gifts to share with the world and offer new perspective, which will benefit Kate and Joe's biological children as well. Through those two boys, Kate and her family have learned to be present in the moment that you can always start again tomorrow and to find joy in the small things in life. Their disabilities do not define who they are as human beings, and every life has value. Grace and blessings. <laughs>